On this week's Bet the Process podcast, Rufus will be back to ground zero in terms of technology. He's back in the closet again, ladies and gentlemen, unfortunately. We have a sort of freeform discussion about both the NCAA tournament and modeling priors and whatnot in that world. And then we get into our favorite subject, which is the Penny model versus the William Hill model, what works, what doesn't work. And then we get into a very abstract interview with Alan Boston, where he actually has picks in both final four games and thinks there's real value in both final four games so uh check that out and with that let's start the process Bet the process. Welcome to the podcast. Bet the process. It's not that typical cookie cutter nonsense. If you came just for picks, you're in the wrong place. Find a talent with the narrative to make a strong case. Instead of blindly assuming a team must be tanking, we're looking for the edge of Massey Peabody rankings. Crunching all the numbers in a simulated system that break down the data analytically driven. Media coverage is sports. Welcome to another episode of the Bet the Process podcast with me, Jeffrey Ma, and my esteemed sidekick, or I don't know, if, am I? Is are you my sidekick, or am I your sidekick? What do we think? I, I think this week, because uh, of your microphone situation, you're definitely a sidekick. I'm definitely the sidekick this week. I, I, I'm in Philadelphia, and I brought my nice Yeti Blue microphone with me. I brought my studio headphones. I did not bring a USB to mini USB converter, though. And so I spent this morning, I went to two different targets of Staples, and I asked people at this conference, trying to find one of these cords, and nobody had it. So I'm, you know, back to back to sounding like awful well you know what we could actually call ourselves as two guys that weren't cool enough to get on the showtime show action so maybe, ah, true. yeah what are you what were your early reactions to that show you you have this like weird hatred of vegas dave that i i don't understand you're not a very hateful person or a spiteful person but somehow vegas dave has gotten under your skin i don't know i mean i i just think he, he gives everybody in this industry a bad name i think he's the one guy everybody can agree um is you know, a huge fraud and a scamster. And, and literally, I mean, I don't think there's a lot of things that unify gambling Twitter, but Vegas Dave is one of them. So in a way, what I was doing is sort of, I, I was I was tweeting out a unifying message. So you were trying to bring the gambling Twitter together and sort of like <laughs> we are the world from back in the, the uh, those days. <laughs> Basically, yeah. Did you watch? You the can make a song. Yeah. You, you know, you don't sound that bad, by the way. Like you sound fine. You you just sound yeah. like you're in a closet again, which is something that I thought you and I had talked about with your parents and things. <laughs> Try to make sure it didn't happen again. Um, how's the how's the tourney been for you? How's your final four doing? Uh, it's. I mean, in terms of my bracket, I picked. Like, I think I had Michigan against. I think in the biggest contest, I mean, I had Michigan winning it all. So that didn't turn out well. But I did have Duke. I had Duke losing to Virginia Tech in all my brackets, and they didn't lose to Virginia Tech, but they lost to Michigan State. So, and I had Michigan State in my Michigan State and Virginia Tech in my final fours. The funny thing is, for futures, I had every team except Texas Tech still alive. So I had I had Michigan State futures, UVA futures, and Auburn futures. That's awesome. Yeah. And now I bought some Texas Tech to sort of hedge that. So it's it's going to be a winning tournament for me. That's great. Yay. So Texas Tech actually is is uh, Alan Boston's favorite to win it all at this point. He has them rated, and I don't want to give up too much about the interview that will be coming up afterwards, but he has them rated as, as the top team um, equal to Virginia. So going into this week, he really likes both games. Um, and again, I don't want to give it away. 
everything away. But um, one of the things You're giving that, it away. <laughs> one of the things that I did want. Well, I'm not going to tell you. Obviously, you know one of the sides he likes, but the other side I won't tell you what it is, and you'll, you'll have to listen to the interview. In terms of priors on Texas Tech, because I think almost almost everyone would agree even the non-analytics people that Texas Tech has probably played the best of any team in this tournament, you know, blowing out Michigan the way they did and then taking out what some people thought could be the overall number one seed Gonzaga, um, right. you know, in the way that they did. I think most people would, would think that like, you know, the idea of, of, you know, Michigan state, I guess had that close game with Duke, but generally has played, played, you know, way above their com- competition. Um, Virginia has had, a couple scares along the way and um auburn certainly is is not a team that people feel strongly about given the fact that they lost arguably their their number one or two player um and seem to play a kentucky team that couldn't throw the ball into the ocean but like when you look at a texas tech at this point like you know ken palm has them all the way up to the number five team in the country how much do you think about evaluating short-term and this is something that I face right now in the industry that I'm in predicting or forecasting hotel uh, business. We have a forecasting model that allows our customers to actually tweak the model and put more weight on short term than on long term. And uh, and I wonder when you think about like modeling or projecting baseball or anything like that, how do you how do you think about modeling short term versus long term? By the way, that's a really can I say first that that's a really interesting concept to allow the user to sort of customize it, which you know, I kind of almost wish like a Yelp or a, a TripAdvisor would do that. So I could say like TripAdvisor, you know, their their ratings for restaurants are are, are quite Bayesian. Like, so, so, you know, if, if I open a restaurant tomorrow and I have 25 star reviews and that's it, I'm still going to be behind a restaurant that has like an average of 4.5 stars for 800 reviews. Do you know what I mean? So, so, but I, I think, so, so you're not really picking up on the, on sort of like a newcomer that's been, you know, re- really good this quickly, which, you know, I'm sure, you know, obviously there's a reason for that because, you know, sample size is small. But, you know, with the new restaurant, but but it, it would be interesting to sort of like allow people to customize it and say like, like what do we want our coefficient to be on on this? And so, well, I mean, like you see on, on Yelp a lot of times, like people will say like, oh, this place sucks now. Like you'll go to like some place yeah. that you'll be like, oh, this place is great, uh, looks great, blah blah blah, and then you'll see like recent ones like new management or this place used to be amazing and they've, they've let things slide, et cetera. So it it was an interesting analogy that you went to for Yelp from this question, but I, I get the, I sort of get the idea. I mean, conceptually, this is like, which data is the best data to look at, which data is the most relevant to look at. And this is the classic small sample size versus potentially most relevant data question. Exactly. And I'm I'm not, Personally, I don't know what what it is for college basketball because, as you know, I I do not spend a lot of time, read any time on college basketball. Although I did watch a lot of college basketball this this March. It's been a good tournament. It's been some good games. A lot of a lot of good Duke games. Yeah. So but, wait, let's let's go back to this for a second though. Like, okay. even though you don't know a lot or you haven't studied a lot of college basketball, I guess the question that I would ask you is like, how would you go about? trying to figure out whether you should wait short-term versus long-term more in college basketball specifically. Now, let me, let me give you some hypotheses and then you can tell me like, like an hypothesis might be because college basketball has now become such a situation of like one and done where there is not a great body of work to do sample size or to do historical projections that 
what happens recently and also what happens recently can 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 change a lot more i.e like a core uh coach's ability in season to make an impact on his team's play can be much bigger than it would have in the past where you know everyone had been there all the players had been there a long time and your ability to make really stark step change differences in your team's performance was probably not as easy relative to the rest of the the crowd that, that's a good point, Jeff. And so, like, you know, let's say you're you're an Ivy League team that's bringing back, you know, all five starters and they're all juniors and seniors. You you pretty much know what you're getting. Like, you're hoping that team is going to improve, but, you know, you, you know what you're getting for the most part. You know, it's not like you're going to be super surprised. Whereas, you know, if you have a, you know, a Kentucky who has a bunch of freshmen starting every year or Duke, like this year, you know, all these freshmen, Zion, who's also a freshman, but, you know, it, it's... Wait, who's Zion? I've never heard of him. Yeah, he's he's not in college anymore. It's okay. He actually so, hasn't hasn't announced yet. I don't think. <laughs> yeah, it's gonna be. He, a huge he hasn't surprise announced yet. Right? He said he wants to stay another year to play for Coach K, yeah. who's clearly such a great coach that he can't coach <laughs> three lottery pick players to no. the Final Four. No, I mean, but but I guess you know, it, like I, the uncertainty around the prior is gonna be a lot higher with the team with a bunch of freshmen on it because you don't know what you're getting. And so I do, but to me, that still doesn't, so, so I would think in that case, yeah, maybe you do, you know, you, you do want to place more weight on recency because the team is going to be changing and coming together. But at the same time, like, you know, I would still just fit a function to try to figure out what, what the proper DK is and just kind of like I can do for any sport and figure out what the shape of that curve should be and, and, and you know, fit the right parameters. It seems like a reasonable approach. Wanted to talk a little bit. We we touched on it at the beginning, but wanted to talk a little bit about the show on Showtime action. We also were going to talk about the, the the show starring a couple of our friends, Preston, and I guess we can call oh, yeah. Doug our friend. Although Doug was really mad at us for making fun of him at the Sloan conference. Um. Anyways, first off, action. Have you you've watched the first episode? The second episode hasn't aired yet, right? I think it airs tonight or something. It, I think it did air, right? I, I haven't I seen it yet. So, I, I I went on my DVR to watch it, and it seemed like it had an air jet, or I wasn't sure if that had an air jet or my DVR hadn't recorded it. Well, so I don't have Showtime, and I wasn't gonna watch it until someone sent me like a media link they had, or because they got to preview it episodes one and two. So I watched episodes one and two, and then tweeted out like. Bit, after that and people were like how do you know all these things and i was like oh yeah i probably shouldn't have watched you know i'm oh, spoiler you are a spoiler i thought the fact that vegas dave vegas dave had his parents had loaned him a total of 700 or i shouldn't say loaned but you know he had to pay seven hundred thousand dollars total of bail amount of debt like that was in the second episode that's sad the vegas dave thing or sorry the action my my impression when I watched the first episode was actually that the show was pretty good. It was entertaining. You know, the characters on it, you know, the, the funny thing is like, we know everyone on the show, right? Like Gil's on the show, yeah. like, and, and it's, and Chad's on the right. show. And, and, you know, like it, I, I was texting with Preston and I was like, it's, it's sad that me, you and Rufus couldn't even make the show, but because of everyone that's on it. Um, and Wait, Jeff, would you, if they had asked you, would you have been on the show? Um, with the current cast of characters, would you? Yeah, probably not. Or does it de- probably does it depend not. on but, what but, they but, wanted from you? Like if like, they were just going to ask you a question, like kind of Gil, Gil was Gil wasn't. I wouldn't say Gil was the star of the show, but no, Gil no, was no. Just kind of asked a few I, questions. I, I, he was referenced. So I'd heard about this project, and I'd heard about who was involved. I didn't know 
it was showtime and I didn't know the nature of the show. But when I heard the people involved, I wasn't interested at all. Like I, I, you know, my agent talked to me about it and I definitely did not pursue it at all. But if I had known the big, tone big man of with his agent. what's that? Like big man with his agent. <laughs> you like that drop? That was like a really, yeah. really subtle drop. Do you have anything else to drop? Like any names to drop? I don't know. Yeah. Maybe. I don't know. I'm working on potentially uh, some media opportunities with some big name athletes. Nice. <laughs> Anyways. Okay. So the, my point is that if I had known the way the show was going to be, I probably would have wanted to be involved. It's, it's, it, it's entertaining and it's not, you know, as much as they highlight Vegas, Dave, they also clown him a bit. And I know that everyone on gambling Twitter is going to say like, well, just giving him that, notoriety is is feeding into his snake oil salesman ish so I, I get that and i do think they make kelly to look like a legitimate handicapper and and make her out to be you know this this sort of like really sharp woman and and all this kind of stuff and you know they they sort of glorify Krakenburgers. i mean all this stuff right but but it's 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 entertainment and it's there's there's some pieces of it that i think are probably very accurate you know when they when they talk a little bit about like bookies or when they even just talk about like people losing and things like that so i i, I and i think it's like really well produced so i i have a net positive on the show what about you you know it was entertaining i thought i agree but i mean i do think that it I mean, the problem is that, well, Vegas Dave claimed to have gotten $300,000 in sales in two hours after the show aired. And, and maybe he's making that up, maybe not. But, but, but he, there are a bunch of people is- that don't understand the industry. And, and, and I do think having somebody like him on there, I mean, I know it's trying to represent all sides of it, but they spend so much time. Like, it, to me, yes, it, it shows that, that what, that I think anybody can see that what he's, or most people, reasonable people can see that what he's doing is, is unethical. And, and, but, but the other thing they can see is that he's making a shit ton of money doing it. And so you're going to have a lot of people trying to be that, like, you know, they realize that it doesn't, you don't have to be a winning better. You just have to be a really, you have to be a good marketer and be savvy with social media. And that's what Vegas Dave is. And so this is like, yeah. And in all honesty, this is the same criticism that people give us when we talk about even when early on where we we're doing tout or sharp, right. They were saying that even by just talking about touts, we were giving them more, you know, publicity or notoriety than they, than they deserved. And we were actually contributing to growing that ecosystem. So I think that it's probably a fair criticism of them. It's probably a fair criticism of us. Like even us just discussing the show probably will give people on Twitter a reason to, to bash us. But, um, yeah, I mean, I do think I do think it was interesting, and then sort of like the the notion of the people that they had involved from an expert standpoint. You know, again, we get back to this thing that the people that really know this industry really well, and I'm not necessarily talking about you or me or Preston, are people that that don't want to be on a show like this and and wouldn't want to be on a show like this. You know, so well, it, you want to be on a show like this. You just you just said this like ten minutes ago. No, five minutes. Like, I, just said, I just said excluding us. Did you just hear what I said? I said excluding you, <laughs> me, or Preston. Meaning, like, I think we know the industry pretty well, but we would probably be on a show like this simply because of the fact that we do a podcast already and we talk about stuff. So we're not well, we're not beyond talking about stuff. But 
what I wish is that the professional betters, like they had, they had professional betters on people that actually bet for a living and don't sell picks. Like, I, I think if they did that, it would be, I mean, I don't think. How yeah, but there's like, the, the, that, what I'm saying is there's about five people in the industry that are real professional betters that actually make real bets and make their living off of it that are willing to talk about it. It's like yeah. you and Preston and I don't know who else. I mean, I don't, I don't think the people would want me throwing their names out there, so I'm not going to. But, but that, that, that's the point. Like <laughs> exactly, yeah. That, that's what I'm saying. Like, there's a small group of people that are willing – and, you, and you're even like – you would go on a show like that, and you would be so effing, like, scared to sort of let people into what you do and let people into, like, your, like your real processes. Like, you would want to hold a lot of stuff close to the vest, and you wouldn't be out there, like – you know, unless we got a few drinks in you, you wouldn't be out there like being entertaining TV. No, I'm I'm serious. You know, you would play things well, close to the mess. And like, I'm not criticizing you for that, well, but I'm just saying like, when you think about like someone like, again, this is like, this goes back to like, what's the point of making television or making enter- making media? It's like for entertainment, unfortunately. And they went after characters that they thought would be entertaining and would be willing to sort of, you know, create this, this, this narrative. Like, Kelly moving out from Kansas and being a cocktail waitress and hitting an eight team parlay and that being the springboard for them for her to get into being a sports betting personality. It's right. Like, and, and, yeah. So I don't know what, what we're arguing about. Like, and and I think it's an interesting discussion. I'm not sure what your thesis is. Is your thesis that like you wish that they had just had like a different set of characters on there? And I guess my 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 challenge would be like finding that set of characters that would be both legitimate, organic, and actually entertaining would be very hard. I agree, and I think that in you know if if I was on there or something, you know, I would if someone followed me around all day, video like recording me. I mean, I don't think I'd be comfortable with that unless I had some sort of editorial say, you know, over the content that was produced. You know what I mean? I'd be so careful. So, yeah, and I that's, think that, that just wouldn't be that wouldn't be something that they'd want for sure. Like no. they want to be able to just you know edit things. And, and whatnot. Yeah, totally. I, I think your I think your points are fair. I think so. right that it was it's, it's you know I I think it's entertaining. I think that I mean I I do think you know how I feel about Vegas Hay being on there though. But you know that's I mean, but he is like this ultimate in like ridiculousness and entertainment value and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And like you can't, again, like their goal is not they, like you have to like go back to this, right? Like the, the, the incentive or the goal of the producers of the show is to produce something that's entertaining that gets, that makes money that Showtime is willing then to sort of green light their next documentary series that they do. And it's not to actually create a, a, a accurate depiction of the sports betting industry and similarly like this this is the whole like 21 thing too for for my story right like people always say like oh the book was great the movie sucked and i'm always like well the movie was entertaining and you know it was obviously very far from accurate um but no one the the point of the movie was not to write a documentary make a documentary about the mit blackjack team because that's not going to be very that's not going to do very well and that's not going to be very entertaining the the they were trying to create an entertaining piece of media and you know what was fortunate about it was that it it, it did well in the movie theater and, and it did well you know afterwards so it it gave a huge platform you know to myself and to other people that were involved um, because people had heard of the story 
So the net net of it was good. And, and, you know, maybe the end is that action, the show like brings more, you know, interest and uh, understanding, even if it is not necessarily the right understanding of sports betting and gives you and me and whomever a bigger platform to even talk and explain the concepts and, and, you know, even, even maybe like, you know, combat what people think. Yeah. So wait, so do you think overall the show is a net positive for the sports betting industry? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think like the idea that like most people probably don't, most people in the U S probably don't realize that sports betting is now legal. So this is like telling <laughs> that story. No, no, it's, I mean, just think about it. Like most people well, probably don't even realize that they're not paying legal? attention to PASPA. It's what? legal in a few states. It's legal right, but, but it's, it's not it's, federal. There's no federal ban on it. I know, but the point is that within the next five years, it will probably be legal in forty states. That would be my guess. Forty, yeah. I mean, what's whatever the state, last, the same what ones that have the last all, state. What's that? Will, will there be any? Will there be? Let's let, let's fast forward to like fifteen years from now. Will it be legal in all fifty states? Um, and. If not, which states won't be legal, and and if 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 so, what'll be the last state to legal? Well, I don't I don't know the I know that there's a bunch of states that don't have casinos, and I would say it's going right. to be the ones that don't have casinos, because they just fundamentally. I mean, I assume Utah doesn't have casinos. Yeah, that's a safe assumption. Yeah, so I mean, I, I just I think that pretty much every state that has casinos right now will have sports betting within the next five years, and I just I don't see a reason why. I mean, this is not like this is a pretty easy thing to look at history and see how the U.S. reacts to something like this when there's money to be made from it and there's opportunity and, and it doesn't sort of like break the ethos of your state, then you go after it. And it happens yeah. pretty quickly. I mean, it happened in the casino business really quickly. And this will, should happen much quicker because you already have the infrastructure sort of in place with casinos there and, and these physical structures that they can justify adding sports betting pretty quickly. And there's such a big land grab in terms of companies trying to make it easier for you to do this. So while we're talking about that, can I get your opinion on Arkansas? Arkansas, it looks like they're going to implement what the what all these leagues want, this integrity fee, meaning that you know some sports league paid off some legislators. It's like, um, what kind of precedent does this set? Is this to affect other states? No, because it's Arkansas. I mean, like, it's just not a big populated state. It's not going to have a huge amount of volume. There's no way New Jersey lets Arkansas impact how they do things. I think New Jersey and then eventually New York will probably be pretty well aligned in California and whatnot. Like, that's where the money is going to be made for, you know, and, and I just don't see these states. I don't, I don't, I don't see the, I think the integrity fee thing is because so many people, outside of the leagues are unified against the concept of integrity. I, I just don't see the leagues being able to make this happen. And, and hopefully they, they smarten up, you know, like the NBA guys that I talk to all the time about this and argue with all the time about this. Hopefully you guys smarten up because this is not the way that you're going to make this industry work. And it's not the way that you're ultimately going to yield the most money from this industry is by imposing these types of, of, of restrictions that are going to make it hard for the industry to grow. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I don't. I wasn't following the Arkansas thing. Thanks for bringing it to my so, attention. I'll, I'll take a look at it. But I, I just, I just, I fundamentally think that an integrity fee will will not be a part of sports betting. It's you know in the U.S. So what's interesting here? I'm reading a quote by Kenny Gersh, who's a major league baseball executive. Vice yeah, President Kenny Gersh, good dude, has been at ML, ML Bam for quite some time. He said, uh, "We don't call it an integrity fee. I'll I'll call it essentially what it is, which is a royal." So. 
He says also 1% is not anything we've been asking for since the beginning, since we realized that was not the correct amount. So we've been talking about a quarter point. Yeah. But, I mean, but the thing is sports betting is a low margin business. I mean, if a book holds 5%, you know, their 1% is the 1% of the handle is 20% of, of the sports books revenue. Yeah. I mean, this, pretty big this, this is essentially where we go back to this whole concept of, you know, that we probably want to cover. We It's probably worth covering this again. Maybe we get Ted on or something like that. And we cover this, this whole concept of, of margins in this business and like, whether it's better to be a penny type shop or whether it's better to be a William Hill type shop. And, you know, I, I have always been of the mind that the penny model was so amazing and all this kind of stuff. And, and that's what I'd want to do. And that's as a better, what I'd want the industry to be like, but I'm, I'm definitely having second thoughts in terms of like how realistic that is because of the simple fact that to get to the kind of liquidity and volume that you need to do to make that model work is very, very hard. And it's super competitive right now to get customers. So those margins are so those margins which are could be razor thin can't be razor thin. And then if you add an integrity fee in, that cuts into the ability to to sort of even keep the, those margins the way they are. Yeah. So I, I mean, and, and you mentioned the different styles of bookmaking, the sort of William Hill, the retail, the competition in terms of promotions and marketing and getting your name out there that sort of DraftKings and and William Hill and I'd say to some extent FanDuel are, are sort of engaged in. But I mean I think that I, I think that that's one style and I think that if everybody was using the penny model, then I think that using the William Hill type model would make sense. Right. But I mean I think that there's room for, for both models. The pinnacle model being a model of taking action from everybody. And, and and trading on that action, investing in analytics to sort of see who's um, to see what bets are worth. Yeah. So, like but the, the issue and which it, ones aren't. But the issue, like, just comes. It's pretty simple, right? Like all the stuff that we talk about with like the process around how they run the book and what they use inside, like knowledge for, and having like just you know, I, even just like the interview that I heard with this guy on uh, from Chris. I think his name is Marco Bloom or something like that, who who um, I've talked about maybe having on this pod. So maybe we'll have him on this pod. But anyways, the point is that it's it, it just comes down to margins. And when you talk to people that worked at that worked at Penny, their margins, their their hold percentage is very small. It's very it much smaller than it is at William Hill. And that's just like the fact, no matter what, if you book, your margins are going to go down. So you need to make that's up with that. With, what's that? That's the intention. It's not the intention so much. It's the result of the fact that you're taking smarter betters and you're not winning as many bets. The, yeah, intention, is not, the intention is not like, I want to have a shitty hold percentage. The intention is that I'm okay having a shitty hold percentage because I'm going to get more volume to make up for that. But the exactly. second part of that's the important volume, part. You need to margin get... business. What's that? You need right, high volume, low margin. Right. You're not, you're but, not expecting high margins when you're, when you're booking like minus, you know, 108 each side or something or you know rather than minus 110 each side i understand but the the thing and that's important the part about that is 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 the volume and if it costs you more vo- more margin to get even to that volume which it may in the legalized world then that that model may not work maybe i mean but i don't know i mean i, I think that i think if nobody else is doing it you're gonna i mean hell i think in the u.s Rufus, you have to advantage. stop looking at you have to stop looking at this from from a better's perspective, right? You have to well, look well, at this. 
you have to look at this I from am. a business yeah. perspective, which is what the what you know these companies are. And again, I'm, like it, from it, a business it, perspective, though, wait, wait, Jeff, I'm saying that you, you like you know if you went in with that model, you wouldn't be competing against William Hill in DraftKings. You'd be going for a different segment of the population that's underserved. You'd be going for the whales that are you know people that are playing offshore, playing big money. Um, they're not all sharks, by the way. Um, or, you know, with the local bookie that, that, that want to get down big, but, but because these retail books are, are too risk averse, right, but they're if not I'm, taking if I'm, action. If I'm, a whale, if I'm a whale that's typically playing credit, has been playing credit for quite some time, is comfortable with that idea, you know, that's a tough competition to get me off of. Yeah, I mean, and if you have a that, better... That's why I'm, I'm saying, like, Penny and Chris were able to do this because they were offshore, and they had yeah. this like the they had these like this business model of agents that would go out, get customers and deal with all the stuff and the transaction costs were basically nothing and all you know what I mean? Like you have to think about this in the legalized world where there's friction in the system to get money in and out and all this kind of stuff. And mm -hmm. you all those friction points cause like potential for you know your margin to be cut. No, you're right. And, and I don't know, you know, I don't I mean you bring up a good point. What you know, in the in the fact that how how important is credit, and and how likely is somebody to sort of switch over from, you know, the sort of illegal betting world to the legal betting world? Or are you going to be able to compete on price? Like, I mean, you can offer a better price, but if you're not, you're not giving credit, like, how much is that? How much does that matter? And and, and those are that's, I don't have an answer to that question. So, yeah, but I still do think that I mean, to me, the sort of you know retail books like you know DraftKings and William Hill, to me. You know, there. I think we both agree that they're competing on marketing, right? Promotions and brand awareness. That's. Would you agree? Yeah, Maybe a little bit on user for sure, experience. For too. sure, for sure. But they're not competing on price, really. Right. Let Let's table this so, conversation so, and have it again because my son is crying and needs to be needs to be um, taken out of his crib and start his day. You know, he has he has a big day ahead of him. He's got a bunch of meetings and whatnot. So. Yeah. Uh, but let's table this okay. conversation because I think I think it's I think it's worthwhile having again. Um, I think both of our thinking has both advanced um, on this uh, because of you know different endeavors that we're looking at and whatnot. So I think it's worthwhile us having another conversation on this and maybe bringing in someone like Ted who's worked at a book before as a, as a third party to have this discussion. Um, I agree, and, okay. and that was a nice cryptic reference. Uh, <laughs> I'm very good at crypto. Yeah. Like I encrypted my my message there so no one would understand it so thank you guys um we're going to move on to our interview with alan boston let's bring him in now i welcome in alan boston who is the legend the man the myth rufus is not going to be joining this portion of the interview because he is having technical difficulties with his microphone so uh which is better because this gives us more airtime for alan so alan first off how well, is this good i feel i feel insulted no, we want feel, we want you to have as much airtime as possible. Feel, like no no one wants to yeah, listen to us talk think, about college basketball. Yeah, I just feel like you know he doesn't want to deal with the lowly Penn student and you know, <laughs> fucking Yale people. How's how have you done so far this tournament? I assume you've been. You've been I did well until the last month where I completely lost my mind. But that's part of the battle of being human rather than being an algorithm. What do you when you when you got in a shitload of trouble and I took over a lot of his battles i eat his three dogs and all his bills and all his phone calls and a drug addict who became a criminal but he's a really good kid and unfortunately mr nice guy me you know is not going to let someone 
lose their dog since I lost my dog in December and I haven't recovered since. So, yeah, I think his dogs are not my dogs and they're a pain in the ass and they require a lot of time and energy and I'm not using excuses, but when conference tournament starts, it's a lot more feel than numbers driven and when you're not allowed to think freely, you can lose your way. And uh, that's what I meant by being human rather than being an algorithm. I'm not making excuses. I My stuff sucked, and that was the bottom line. However, in uh, upon reflecting, I think it didn't help. So uh, I had a home run year going uh, until then. And uh, I, uh, if nothing else, it's, it's rewarding to know at 60 years old that I can still probably outdo any model that's out there and that's kind of cool so that's have uh, you been, have you made, been making any plays in the tournament yeah i, I made a yeah i made a lot of plays in the tournament they haven't amounted to much but i didn't make any last weekend but i won tonight i didn't lose an overtime that's south florida plus six in the cit and i had texas southern last night and they didn't lose an overtime either so i managed that back-to-back underdogs not losing overtime it's kind of a both, both of the games went to overtime rewarding though. i'm sorry both of the games went to overtime though both went to overtime and both managed to cover, which uh, is not, unfortunately, not always the case. I always thought they should have like overtime insurance or something, or, uh, you know, uh, the end of regulations, the final, something like that. I think that's kind of like a fairer, fairer way to bet, actually. In fact, if I was booking, I think I might offer that. Yeah, then the totals would be a little bit lower, right? Because the totals, they do figure in the probability of going to overtime. And that's why they're, they can do offer really? Yeah, yeah, I think so. And sometimes I think that. That over. I think they only do that with the low point spread games, though, right? I mean, you know, it came twenty. It's probably not going overtime. Yeah, I mean, and it's got to only be a fraction. I think one of the things that we've found in looking at some of the stuff is that they they sometimes undervalue in the second half totals the possibility of going to overtime, and so there's right. There's I little, would think that's true. Yeah, there's a little bias. I think it's kind of a rote number, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I would I would think that's true that uh, that you bet any game that's close over and and probably have I don't know, you only know eleven and ten, so maybe not probably not that much, but I, I, I would agree with that just instinctively. So so far what is what surprised you about the tournament? The fact that the refs didn't uh cheat to get Dugan to the final four. <laughs> I don't think that's serious. They were Perhaps as a fan, that's 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 what I that's what I that's that's the most surprising thing. You know, that Zion's worth a lot of money to him. Yeah. You didn't hear I mean Duke didn't have to be playing you to hear about Zion. They could be playing a, a week from now on TV, and all you hear about is Zion, 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 Zion. You know, it was, it's really annoying. It's it's just a big business. It's a it's a greed fest. It's it's a, it's really corrupt. And if they ever really investigated college basketball, the, the whole uh, they'd arrest all, every every single person involved. It's yeah. a, it's 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 beyond corrupt. What they do to keep kids in the school, and and you know the fake tests and the the fake classes and the online schools that they supposedly graduated from all oh, this just all this bullshit and the money that's paid to get players to schools is, is just astronomical like what's an agent an agent's a friend of one of the coaches let's say he's friends with calipari and you know he gets a quarter of a million dollars to uh, the right place to make sure the kid goes to kentucky what's that to him if the kid signs with him you know some first round nba draft pick what the hell's two hundred fifty thousand dollars it's yeah, nothing nothing it's it's a yeah it's a it's a tip, so yeah the money the money that's thrown around is is just incredible. There was actually finally an article written about uh, 
the dichotomy between the haves and the have-nots when NCAA tournament money is bounced around, and it's really just staggering. And uh, when you know, anytime you deal with big money, there's there's corruption. You know, it's a problem with our government and problem with corporate America. It's a problem with the whole world, really. It's just money kind of like drives people to do things that they shouldn't, and so we have species becoming extinct and the environment's going to shit, and no one cares because there might be a buck to be made. That, and it only takes one bad apple, you know, to... You can have a billion people love elephants, but one lunatic Chinaman uh, wants ivory, and, and that's it. It's uh, Yeah. So, I, I didn't mean that in a... Uh, in a, in a, in a you know, a mockery kind of way. I just, that's no, just no, no, I, I, I got way you to say that. it. So yeah. in, in the, in the case of the Duke, the Duke Michigan state game, um, did you like Michigan state in that game getting, getting what two, two and a half points? No, I, I would have taken three and I would have taken, probably taken three minus 15 for something. I made it one. And, uh, but it, it was kind of a, a, a tricky number. Duke had, Duke had been rated a lot higher the whole year, but it really looked like uh, when Virginia tech all rebounds Duke, there's really just some, something wrong with the team, you know, that they're, they're all waiting to get in the NBA. I, I think, I don't think their effort was uh, overwhelming. The coach is an idiot and he's, you know, he's, he's minus, I don't know how many points every game that he's been as an NCAA tournament because he's just out coached so badly every game. Uh, I've been saying that for 20 years, so that's not, that's nothing new out of my mouth. Everyone's aware of my disdain for, for Kay. Uh, but yeah, that was disturbing. They lost the rebounding battle to Virginia Tech when they, you know, Virginia Tech has one big guy, I think, and they're not a great rebounding team. And Duke has, you know, four of the top ten draft picks, and well, one of them was out. But, uh, you know, just Zion and then the other big guy there, I'm not good with names and players, but, you know, they should have killed them yeah, on the Bol- Bolden is and, Bolden's the other big guy, and then they yeah, have R.J. Barrett, obviously. Who's Barrett, the, right. Yeah, who's the, who's the, the other Reddish big out. Pick. Well, Reddish but, was out. Reddish was out against Virginia Tech, and then he was back against Michigan State. But it seemed like he was a little beat up. So yeah, then you, their, effort so, was, their effort was lacking against Virginia Tech. It really was. There was. It was. It, it just. It just something was just. They just weren't there. Never mind. They don't know what they're doing. They just. It, it was something just not quite right. There was nothing right against Central Florida. For them not to blow Central Florida out is just surprising they completely laid over that team and central Florida did nothing different or unique to, to, to get Duke so far off their game. Again, you know, I don't have much respect for coaches. Staff isn't very good either. Uh, so they had no idea what to do against that matchup zone. But again, you know, that was what central Florida ran the whole year. It shouldn't have surprised them at all. And they certainly had the players to handle it, but their effort seemed seemed less than a hundred percent. That's what it looked like to me. And if that was the case, then what do you do with that? You know? So, you know, if Duke all of a sudden decided to turn the edges on a hundred percent, then, then one was probably wasn't right against Michigan state. Cause during the whole year, they probably would have been six or seven and Michigan state did get better. And Ward started playing a lot more minutes. So, you know, maybe five would be right, but I made a one cause that's kind of what I thought it should have been. And, uh, and that's probably what it played to. <laughs> so, yeah, I would have taken three minus fifteen for something, but it, it never really. It showed for like two seconds, uh, and I'm not doing the betting, so uh, so I kind of leaned to Michigan State, but it was nothing that was, uh, you know, nothing strong. In fact, I didn't really like any of the Final Four games. I leaned to Virginia against uh, Arizona, but again, uh, against Purdue, I mean, uh, but that was really nothing uh, to write home about either. However, yeah, this weekend, I, I do kind of like both games, so 
we can talk about that. We can talk about you know whatever. Can I, I can uh, I guess can I guess which side you like? Sure. I'm guessing that you like Texas Tech plus the two and a half against Michigan State. Yeah, plus three is probably what you'll get. There seems to be a lot of money for the favorites. Yeah, they, those two teams are pretty equal, I would assume. Like, I would make that line closer to even. Um, we had Ken Palm on, uh, but you know, for before the tournament, and he said at that time he thinks Chris Beard's the best coach in college basketball. Yeah, I, I wouldn't disagree with that. So you give them a? Would you make? What do you make that line? Certainly close. I made Texas Tech one. Oh, you make Texas Tech but a favorite. That, again, that's kind of a visual. That's more of a visual thing. When I saw him play Northern Kentucky, I was completely blown away. I, in fact, I when I did a radio show after that first round game, I said that Texas Tech was the best team that I watched play. Uh, certainly, they weren't the highest rated team because coming into this tournament, they were eight points lower than Gonzaga. Uh, but but they've been so impressive both visually and 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 score wise, and and how they've won. That uh, you know, again, we talked about. I, I go by how the game plays out, but. They've just done it the right way, like, uh, you know, really never threatened in any game, and no one ever really made a run on them in, in, in the first few rounds. And just, just and what they did to Michigan was just, like, nuts. Because like, <laughs> Michigan, if you went to Michigan pre-conference, they ran everybody out of the gym, uh, North Carolina included, uh, Purdue included, a really good team, you know, and that was a conference game early on. So they had a lot of just – well, wins, and, and if you, you know, I know the beginning of the year and the end of the year maybe are two different animals, but they're kind of the same where they're playing these non-conference, uh, you know, big-name things. So there is some relevance there. And Michigan, at the beginning of the year, they, you know, they went to Villanova, won by 27. They beat Providence by 20, and North Carolina by 20, or I forget what it was. And then they played in conference and beat Purdue by 20. Like, I lost a fortune in that game, so I remember that one. 19, I think it was, actually, uh, if memory serves me right. But... So now, you know, Texas Tech plays Michigan, and, and I, I had made that pick and, and uh, you know, was dying to take two, but I'm just thinking that Michigan was so, so good pre-conference that maybe, you know, I, I might be overreacting a little bit to, to, you know, what I watched. I'm not really a a great basketball watcher. I'm more of a, you know, just a – I don't know. I like, you know, I, I, I talked about how I'm self-taught, and I, I, I learned how to take a – a sequence of scores and determine the team's strength based on those scores. It's just a hundred percent. You know, since then I'm able to read more and, and look for anomalies in the box score. But, you know, other than that, that's still kind of how I do it. And, uh, you know, we talked about that a lot last year and I, I don't think I got into like breaking points and other things that I named. Uh, but that that's my do all end all is how this game plays out determined how, how determines how good the team is. And, so how Texas Tech won these games, they won them right. But Michigan won them right earlier in the year, too, uh, where they just kept extending leads. You know, they ran out to a big lead, and no one ever made a run at them. That's just – you can't do better than that. Uh, so – but then Texas Tech goes and destroys them, and now you just know that they're the nuts. Like, uh, it's not – it's what I saw actually probably is true. Uh, so – but you still – you don't want to go crazy, right? I mean, Texas Tech, I had rated 96 near the end of the year, and that's about as high as I had them all year. And the program typically plays somewhere in the, you know, on the beard. I think they got to 92 or something last year, 90, 93. So, you know, his teams have gotten better as the years went on at Little Rock and at Texas Tech. So no surprise that this one got better. But how good can that program be? They they have a couple really good players, but they don't get five-star recruits like Kentucky and uh, 
and Duke, and and you know they don't have a myriad of uh, future NBAers on that team. I think they might have two, but but again, that's not my gig. So how good can that team be? And I didn't want to go for that uh, pitfall of, of putting too much credence into you know a couple games. But you know it is Chris Beard, and like Ken Palm said, he probably is numero uno. So. Uh, now the Gonzaga game comes, and I, I make it as low as I can, which is four, because I had a lot of respect for Gonzaga, too. And uh, But my instincts tell me the game's probably pick them, and I left it alone, and that was another just, you know, beautiful effort by Texas Tech. I mean, they make no mistakes on offensively or defensively. They run unbelievable stuff. Their defensive fundamentals are incredible. They they they, they stay more vertical than every team I've ever seen, and, and by that I mean they, they, they defend without – leaving their plane so they don't fall. Uh, again, I'm not a great basketball watcher. I'm not a scout. I'm, I'm not good at talent. I'm not really – I don't really know the game that well, but that's – visually, that's what I see. And uh, that's just – that's coaching. And that's, uh, you know, that's just unbelievable how uh, how how efficient they are. And, and so, you know, yeah. I mean, if, if they took apart Michigan, well – you know, I think Michigan was two over Michigan State in the conference tournament final. Uh, so it was the wrong line, but they can't be getting three from uh, – they can. They were getting two from Michigan, so they can be getting three from Michigan State if you look at it that way. But, you know, they beat Michigan by 100, and then they beat Gonzaga, who was the best team in the country. So they can't get three from Michigan State. Michigan State won because Duke lost the game, not because they won it. They played really well, don't get me wrong, but, you know, uh, Duke kind of like just pissed the game away. Which they're off. Which they're they're they're. I'm not take. I'm not knocking Michigan State. They're extremely well coached and 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 do a little wrong too. But I agree with you. I think Tech is probably a, a better line. I happen to make Texas Tech one just because I'm just so blown away by, by when I watch them. Uh, that I have a danger of having them rated too high. You know, the, the typical rating is the typical program. The typical rating is below Michigan State. So I understand the line maker making it that. I just think that you know. At some point, Texas Tech is the real deal, and, and they deserve their inflated rating because they're certainly playing like it. So I well, hope so that this makes is, some sense to whoever listens to this. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is this is kind of a classic, um, you know, because of where Texas Tech was going into this, people are having a hard time adjusting to what they may be playing at. I think I think your point that they're probably playing it, you know, in, in Ken Palm's ratings, he has them all the way up to fifth. Um you know, basically just behind, outside of uh, Duke, Michigan State, Gonzaga, and Virginia. So that he really has them as like that in that top echelon. I have the same. I have now the same as Virginia. So yeah. So there you go. Who I had lower than uh, than Gonzaga and Duke. So I had Gonzaga and Duke top two. I mean, I think everyone pretty much had the same uh, numbers, and I hope my numbers are better than Ken Palm's, or I really shouldn't be doing this. But not <laughs> knocking him, he he does amazing things, and has probably uh, gotten rich from this. So good for him. And his numbers are legit. They're not. They're not. They're nothing to sneeze at, right? I mean, they're not. They're not far off. But I would so hope I'm, that my numbers are better. <laughs> I hope so. Or I, I really better retire right now. So I'm guessing uh, in the other game you like Virginia minus the yeah. four, four and a half yeah, or five. Yeah, that, that, they should kill Auburn. Five, five. I, I I don't know what Auburn can do to to. Unlike unlike Kentucky, uh, Virginia is not going to give the game away like Kentucky did. Where they, you know, Auburn, they became a jump shooting team against Auburn, and that's what that's not what they are. And their three point shooters didn't have good days. The 
the kid hero is, uh, is his stroke is beautiful and he missed a lot of shots he normally makes and uh you know good for auburn but auburn is you know way 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 below uh these other teams and bruce pearl is no wizard it's a complete coaching mismatch and 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 on um, you know that kid from Purdue, that Edwards kid, that's the only way you can beat Virginia's defense. They're so smart. That pack line defense is so efficient and in tune. And and and, uh, and Auburn is not the smartest team in the world. They really are not. And and if Purdue, who runs a very uh, intricate offense, really couldn't get anything against Virginia, then what the hell is Auburn going to do? So are they going to have someone hit 30-foot three-pointers like Edwards was doing? I don't think so. And really, if, if Purdue didn't have him, they just leaned on him, and eventually that cost them the game, I think. But, you know, I, I don't blame him. The guy was hitting everything under the sun. Uh, and, you know, I, I think the uh, blowout is almost inevitable here. Plus, I made the line uh, seven, so I, I, I have reason to like it anyway. But just uh, – Coach to coach and uh, matchup wise, which is not my gig, I I, uh, I don't I don't see how Auburn can stay in this game. So, yeah, I would definitely you guessed uh, correctly. Yeah, my guess is that. Do you think that Virginia line will end up going up? Um, Probably. Yeah, my guess is if you want to bet that, you bet that early. If you want to bet Texas Tech, maybe you wait on that. Yeah, I think there was a lot of money for Michigan State right off the hop. Went two and a half, three, even some three and a half. And uh, that early move, whoever whoever that whore is who's out there betting as soon as they uh, open, is usually uh, right in which way the line moves. So, you know, I don't know who that would be. But, you know, I can understand it. They bet Gonzaga four up to five. So, you know, and, and, if, and if, you, if you do models and you do stuff like that, then, there's, you know, there's a limit to how good Texas Tech can be. That's just – that's – I'm breaking all my rules by, by liking Texas Tech this game, but just from what I've watched and, and, and you know, how they've done it, it, it is, it's, it's okay. You know, and, and it's Chris Beard. That's, that's, the, that's the, the, the X factor. That's the reason you can break rules is he's so good. And this team, if you look at their, uh, you know, if you grasp this team's rating this year, it's kind of like a, a perfect uh, diagonal up. Uh, there's been no like downticks to this team's rating. They've just gotten steadily better as the year has gone on, and now they've kind of exploded. But it is the NCAA tournament, so you know they're all in now, and uh, coaching is a little more relevant now. And if coaching is a little more relevant, then then Beard's going to probably win most battles. Although Izzo is no fool, that's for sure. What do you think the talent disparity is between Texas Tech and Michigan State? Is it is it enormous? Is it you know small? No, I don't think this is a great Michigan State team. It's probably pretty close. I mean, Michigan State would typically recruit better players, but you know that's something to ask uh, three man weave. They would know better than me. I'm not, uh, you know, I I really don't know players that well. I really don't. But Michigan State's program has always recruited better players than Texas Tech. I imagine that's about to change, you know, within uh, like now. Uh, But but certainly Texas Tech has that that kid. But Culver is that his name? He's he's an animal and. uh, they got another kid that's really good too, but I don't think this is a great Michigan. I don't think I don't think this is a team that's loaded with uh, four and five star recruits. Michigan State. He basically uses six guys. Uh, Ward being the sixth, and you know their their the point guard is really good. And really, who else? I don't. I don't uh, they're another team that's very efficient, very well coached. But that's not my gig, so I, I couldn't really answer that honestly. I, I think typically Michigan State would have 
you know, some low single-digit number better than Texas Tech, maybe four, four power rating points better. But I think that's probably narrowed a little bit, whereas, you know, this is a stronger Texas Tech team than normal and probably not. Although this is a, this is one of the highest-rated Michigan State teams ever. I don't, I don't think talent-wise it's his best, but I think team-wise it is. I think he's had more talented teams, but but again, that's I I, I can't say that with much panache uh, without with much confidence. But so I think Michigan State maybe has a peanut edge in talent. But I, I'll, I'll ask the I'll ask the I'll ask kid who know better at some point. And uh, but I I still think Texas Tech wins. So just because Beard, you know, I, I think that's very clear that he is an absolute wizard. What he did with Arkansas Little Rock was just ridiculous. That that, that was a team that uh, Steve Shields coached there for years. And Steve Seals was no dope, but Beard comes in there with practically a new team and and nothing, nothing to write home about talent wise. And and you know they winning they're winning a game in the NCAA tournament. It was just uh, they improved I think 11 power rating points that year by what I estimated, which is you know ginormous. <laughs> the, the team typically played to like 72, 73, and and they were in 83 and a half or in 84 by the end of the year. So that's just coaching. Say this holds to what you think is going to happen, and Virginia and Texas Tech both win their games. Pick. Um, you make it out a pick. Yeah, that's not that's going to be a pick, though. No, no, Virginia will be favored for sure. What do you think Virginia will be favored? Especially by if Virginia four? wins by like twenty, like I think they're going to. You know, I think Texas Tech will probably win a war, and Virginia will win by twenty. And now you get that, you know, that energy thing too. Where one team kind of had the easy game, and now there's a day off, and so they probably get something for that. And then. uh Given that Michigan State has there's a lot of support for Michigan State minus two and a half, so I'd say Virginia's probably going to be four. But I would make a pick. And then you'll like Texas Tech in that game. Absolutely. No matter what happens, I like Texas Tech plus four, right? Yeah, for sure. How about if something happens and and Auburn Hunt somehow pulls off the upset, and what would you make Texas Tech Auburn? A uh, hundred. I'd have to give Auburn some sort of credit at that point. Uh, I don't know how I can give them much credit. You know, I haven't really changed their rating all year, and they lost. They lost their best player, arguably. Uh, so, no, he's not there. But they're, they're, that guard's probably their best player. But again, that's not my gig. I I, I have a hard time. I, 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 you know, I, I have rules that I kind of follow in my head, and I, I just don't like really upgrading teams because they won a bunch of games. So I, I probably have it like seven, just like I have Virginia, six and a half or seven. I don't think I, I don't think no matter what Auburn did, I, I, I give them any upgrade. I, I just couldn't do it. I just, I just then, don't. Then, I just. What, you know, what about they, the... they beat North Carolina because North Carolina refused to defend a three-point shot, so they hit them all, and then. Uh, you know, Kentucky just didn't hit any shots and and did nothing to to change the game around. Like uh, Cal Perry did absolutely nothing to to stem the tide. You know, it was a game he clearly had the the horses underneath to to dominate and did nothing to try to get that dynamic working his way. You know, he's another. I love that guy. I think he's a. I love. Uh, you know, he's a, he's a complete con, but he's also pretty honest when he talks. So outside of his con, he's honest. It's kind of a weird. Uh, I've always, I've always uh, you know, obviously I follow you on, on Twitter and I follow like your, your takes and things like that. And it's always surprised me how much you like Calipari because 
he seems to, in some respects, be like part of that NCAA machine, corrupt machine that you you despise. He is, but he he doesn't really pretend that he's not. I you know he 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 does, but he doesn't. I think he the NCAA can't stand him, so I, I have to like him. Like they fuck <laughs> Kentucky every draw. They they really they stick at the Kentucky every year. They played Wichita State every year for a reason. The yeah. committee wanted Wichita State out, and they you know and if Wichita State beat Kentucky, that then it's fine by them too. I'm not sure why they don't like Kentucky because Kentucky makes more money for them than anybody, but they don't like Kentucky. They've never done Kentucky any favors, and Cal Perry has talked about that. Like, you know, what are they doing to us? We don't deserve this. And and he happens to be right. I mean, he's crying like a, a two-year-old, but uh, he's right. So his his attacks on the NCAA, I've always respected that. That's what I like about him. I think he kind of I think he kind of gets it, and I think he kind of – you know, he's such a con. He's, he's so obviously full of shit that how anyone can take him seriously is beyond me, but I, I guess people do. <laughs> people in Kentucky do. They they attend his press conferences like it's a – if you ever hear his press conference, he says absolutely nothing every press conference. It's it's mind-blowing. The man says nothing for like 10 minutes, and then they're done. It's, 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 it's great. Yeah, no, I kind of despise what he stands for, the fact that he's had two Final Four revoked, the fact that he – you know, that he does, he, I don't think he promotes the one and done. I don't think he, he even likes it, but he certainly takes advantage of it, but he, he just plays the game better than everybody and, 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 and makes it work. So, you know, I, I despise what he stands for college basketball wide, but as a person, I think, I think he's kind of, uh, I think he kind of gets it. I know he's very generous uh, with charities and, and uh, hold on one second. Hey, I'm doing a podcast. I'll call you back. Actually, I, I X'd him out. <laughs> so scratch that comment. I hit the wrong button. I didn't lose you, did I? No, you got me right now. Yeah, no, I hit the wrong button with him. I was going to tell him to call back, but I screwed up. Anyway, so that's kind of it with Cal Perry. I, 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 I don't like what he stands for coach-wise. I, he is part of that machine but the NCAA doesn't like him and if the NCAA doesn't like him then he must be doing something right uh and 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 his attacks on the NCAA are are dead on other than that as a coach he's a he's not good and like I said if you listen to him talk he never says anything (laughs) you you know he'll say this is where we're at now and just all the bullshit all the all the uh general statements that amount to nothing there's nothing uh uh informative or or uh i, I can't think of the word you know i don't, don't want to use the word didactic that's not right uh there's not much insightful anyone. coming out of teach anyone anything you know yeah so he quick so talk so bullshit, like, right just yeah for sure um and one thing and, and obviously uh this this is going to give you a little platform i i know that you like to talk about um but if you compare what he's done in the one and done era with what Kay has done, you know, Kay is, is clearly, you know, and I'm, I'm with you. I don't think he's particularly a very good coach at all. And that coaching has become even worse um, in the one and done era because his one and done teams have been incredibly talented, um, but have played terribly. Yeah. His, 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 he's completely lost his way. And, and, you know, I, I I think anytime you do something that you're not comfortable with, uh, you struggle. And I don't think he's comfortable 
coaching these these type players. He's always had really good players. You know, I, I, no one can argue that. But they usually stay for a while. Uh, and, you know, and, and they get to grow a little bit. And, you know, the, the the fact that they're so talented just makes them better. It's not necessarily that he's coaching them better, but he he, he does know something. He's not a complete failure. I mean, he's, he's actually uh, respected by a lot of people who – surprisingly respected. I, I think he's a complete idiot. I mean, I, I don't – the team takes bad shot after bad shot after bad shot. They never make any adjustments during the game. Uh, defensively, they're very good. But when you have athletes, you're going to be good defensively. That's that's kind of uh, – being good defensively is just being athletic sometimes. So, yeah, I don't give him any credit for anything. And But his teams have gotten increasingly worse. This was, this was embarrassing with this team. This team was embarrassing. The game they played against uh, both – all three games, as a matter of fact, they were just made fools out of themselves. Even the first game against North Dakota State, where North Dakota State had the lead for like like ten minutes in the game, North Dakota State had the lead. Are you kidding me? Yeah, twenty seven point favorite or something, and and they were every bit the twenty seven point favorite. The other team had traveled and played a war, and you know that whole stupid playing game, and they probably should have been forty <laughs> on the square, given given that you know that. The other team plays high games too. There's going to be a lot of possessions. It's just that line probably should have been forty. I mean, it's no wonder it went up. I didn't right, lay so- it, but probably, probably should have. Now that I think about it, I probably should have laid it. I don't know why I didn't. <laughs> anyway, so last no, question. The high games, and you know, the high possession games when you make a number. At least when I make a number, I don't have a computer, so I have to kind of guess. You know, a team that plays high games and I make them twenty-three. Well, that twenty-three has to be more. It has to mean it has to be some number more than twenty three. I mean, I'm aware of that. I just don't know what that number is. That's why a programmer would be cool to to work with. Just I have a million things that I'd like to ask. I did talk to a guy uh, a couple weeks ago. He said a lot of what I do can't actually be done on a computer. You know, when I talk about when the team banks a three in and the game changes, there is nothing I could do to to put that in the program. But. No. Uh, I talked about breaking points with him. He was kind of intrigued by that. And, and what, I mean by, what I mean by that, when I used to watch the ticker, a team would make a run, make a run, make a run, and at some point the other team would put them away. So that's the point that they broke. And you could take that, and, you know, I talked about this a little bit last time I was on. Uh, so you could take that team maybe as a 15-point underdog, and, you know, they, they made another run. They got within three with five minutes to go, and then the team ran out, you know, 15-1 in the game or something and wins by 17. Uh, but, you know, they got this team. This team made one more run to get it to three with five minutes to go. Well, what's that team going to do against a team that's only marginally more talented and they, they get them at home, you know? Well, they're probably if they can put that effort in, they're probably going to beat them because that breaking point will never arrive. And that's kind of how I did it. I I, I thought about parallel situations in my head to when a team broke. And uh, and this might not make any sense to anybody, but, you know, again, I'm self-taught and, and self-taught looking at a ticker. So I, I figured out a way to make it work. And uh, apparently what I do is, is, pretty, is pretty good because here I am at 60 and I can still beat it. And, and this year was probably, to be honest, was probably the best work I did. I mean, I had so much the best of almost every game. I bet it was crazy uh, for a long time. And like I said, the last month's been not been good. The the whole two weeks of conference tournament, which I looked forward to, uh, I sucked. Legitimately sucked. The stuff was terrible. 
and and a lot of really bad bets, which was unusual for me, uh, given how how good the stuff was all year. Because I really didn't even run good in end games, and I, I still killed it. It was, it was uh, yeah. Usually, you know, like when you win, when you make a big bet and you win easy or you lose close, that's kind of like a good indicator of how you're doing. Yeah. If you're winning every game easier or losing a war, you know, it, it go either way. Then you you've done your you've done your you've done your fucking work, man. Like you can't do better than that. And almost all my big bets were either, you know, could have gone either way or I won easy. And uh, that's uh, I, I I took a lot of pride in that. This is the first time I really took any pride in anything I've done. But my life hasn't been that good the last five years, and and I lost my dog in December, and and that completely shattered me in ways that I couldn't dream of. Even now I'm 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 hanging on by a thread with it. And yet here I am, you know, still 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 really killing it, to be honest with you. Uh you know, it it's hard on Twitter and, and the market has gotten really ugly and 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 it's it's no bargain and, and you know, even getting down is, is becoming impossible, I'm told. Because there's no bookmakers left in the world. They're all a bunch of people who want to stick a line up and if you win, throw you out, rather than you know, having a bookmaker who understands how to book, like, all right, well, here's a guy who wins, who makes this bet, let's move the line from, you know, he laid five, let's move it to six and a half, who cares? If he laid five, then it probably should be like eight, but we'll move it to six and a half and see if we can get some money on the other side. There's no one like that out there booking. It's it's really a shame, because it really is an art to being a bookmaker, knowing your customers and, you know, uh, I don't you know, I, I haven't I haven't looked at Pinnacle in years, but, you know, they were the ones that really had a great, uh, I remember talking to the owner about it and he had like a, they had like ratings on all their, on all their players for every sport that they bet. And it was based on their rating. That's how much they moved the line. Uh, it was really a, a very uh, cool approach to bookmaking and a, and a proper one. But if you're just a human being sitting behind a counter in Las Vegas and uh, you know, there's no one there who's sticking up his own line and then writing bets. And, and, and that, that's what you're supposed to do instead. And, and the other thing that's happening is, is Chris, who's supposedly the, uh, the king of all this, what they're, what they're, what they're forgetting is if someone's willing to lay six and a half and someone's willing to take seven, well, you should get them on the phone and see if they want a hundred thousand each on it. Right. You can lay six and a half for a hundred thousand. You can take seven for a hundred thousand. Instead, they end up at six and a half minus 15 and they don't write a bet. So what they, they've ended up is with the perfect line. You don't want a perfect line. You want an imperfect line. You want something that's a couple cents off. So when they lay 11 to 10, you have the best of it. And and so the whole game is going to shit. Like, uh, I, I'm glad I'm not, like, 20, 29 and trying to do this right now because it's, uh, it's not, uh, not going to get any easier. There's people betting early who know what they're doing, and I, I don't know why they bet so early. They can't get down for shit, yet they, they just – smash out every game that's way off and they know which games are way off and they're right. And uh, there's nothing you can do about it unless you can find out who they are and say, listen, stop and we'll bet for you. But you know, that's not going to be me. And uh, that's hard to do. And then you have people who, uh, you know, steal games and pay people to, you know, if this guy bets, uh, you know, this guy's been winning, you want his games and it's just a real uh, shit show. So yeah, I wouldn't encourage anyone to to get involved with sports betting. Okay, so final final uh, question for you on this one: Would you take uh, okay. Texas Tech plus four fifteen to win it to win it all right now? Oh fuck yeah, yeah. 
That's what that's what it is right now. Virginia's plus one forty five. Michigan State's plus two hundred. Texas Tech's plus. Power? What do you want to take? Uh, you know, let's say they're a three point dog. Was that plus one thirty five or something? Yeah, something like that. And then uh, if they're a four point dog, it's probably plus one fifty five. So yep. whatever that probably is, ten to thirteen fifty, and then twenty three fifty is uh thirty one, and then three ten is thirty four ten, and then. 35 and a quarter. So what have I got there? 25. So that's, yeah. Yeah. That's, that seems like a, that seems like a lot actually. Yeah. Cause what's the poly? The poly is like two, 2.6 to one. If, if Virginia wins and they're a full point dog, I think that's what it is. I don't know. I did it real fast in my head. So that's not, that's not probably very accurate, but that seems like a lot. That seems like a fair take. But if you can't lay, you know, five to one that they don't, then you're probably not getting a fair price, but just the, the poly seems fair. Right, because what if yeah, Auburn think... wins and Texas Tech's favored? So now you got plus a dollar thirty-five and minus some number, uh, whatever that number is. They'd be definitely more than three. So yeah, the parlay is. I think that the parlay for plus one thirty-five and plus one fifty-five is actually close to five to one. All right, because it's, it's three to one just on two teams, right? So what yeah, am I talking so about? it's 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 about it's about plus five hundred, and but obviously you get the opportunity that Auburn might win, which would probably, they'd be favored there. And like, obviously that that's where you're getting the plus four rough plus 400 roughly. So with that, what did I do wrong? Oh, it's, it was 2350, not 1350, right? 10 to 1350 and then 2350, right? So. Right. Yeah. Okay. 20 to, all right. All right. So uh, anyway, yeah, then 20 to 31, right? So 36, 23, 36, 59, right? All right, so yeah, a thousand gets back fifty nine sixty, right? So yeah, close to five to one. I just right. forgot to add the uh, thirty six and the twenty three that I came up with, and right, so it's twenty three fifty and thirty six sixty five, right? So that's uh, that's exactly what I came up with five to one. I just didn't add it. Sorry about that. Let's say no worries. One five, yeah, yeah, five oh one five point oh one five to one is what I came up with in my head. No worries. Anyway, yeah, I I, I would just probably the money lines then because I, I I think that's probably what you're gonna get. Right. You're almost always better off piling money lines than making a future bet. If they don't offer a no, then you're, they're probably screwing you on the price. No, this this is actually a, a two way two way yes no. So the no is okay. That's what I, that, that's the numbers I was quoting you. Then the, I mean, obviously okay. there's some big there, but the no is. Well, uh, I, I think Virginia. I think Virginia is probably a very. I think Virginia is very very. I think Virginia is mispriced on that and what they're giving you there. So I I, I would rather just probably the money line because I very I very much expect Virginia to win. In fact, I expect Virginia to kill them. She might even get more than four. I, I really do think Virginia will win by 20 or more. I, I really do. That's uh, my uh, honest opinion. <laughs> Got it. Not that I go to war betting it. I, I, you know, I only made it seven, but that's what my gut, my gut thinks. I don't think, I don't think there's anything Auburn can do to stop. I don't think they'll score much, and I don't think they'll stop Virginia. You saw Virginia run their offense against Purdue. They ran. I mean, Purdue's not that easy to score on, and, and they just ran this beautiful offense. And and Bruce Pearl is not going to. Uh, not going to come up with any kind of scheme to uh, to stop it. He's just not. He's just no wizard. He gets his kids to play hard for him, but but X's and O's wise, he's not very good. You know, he's no Bruce Weber, that's for sure. So, the Purdue coach. It's, yeah. It's Virginia played a great game against Purdue. That was that was. You know, wait, wait, Bruce Weber. Decent... Bruce Weber's the Kansas State coach, though, right? Oh. Uh... Matt Painter is the Purdue coach. Matt Painter, yeah, I completely lost my mind. Yeah, Bruce Weber was the is a Purdue guy, but right. So Bruce the Weber was Bruce Weber was the guy that was doing the he he had the um 
those Illinois teams with like D Brown and Deron Williams, right? Yeah, Back he's he's, he's a. Uh, I have I have him in my head as a Purdue guy. So, anyway, all right, Alan. Yeah, no, I, for... so I'm completely uh, completely uh, <laughs> off the wall tonight. Well, it's it's, it's late where you are. We're gonna give, we'll give you the benefit of the doubt on that. No, I wouldn't. I just fucked up. <laughs> I do have Bruce right, Weber and Matt Painter kind of is the same person though. I don't know no, why. Bruce Weber's older, man. <laughs> I think Bruce Weber's a lot I, older. I, I, I kind of, the kind of, I haven't, I haven't, I don't know. I, I, I think of them as the same. They're both really good. Yeah, they both are very good coaches. All right, well, thanks, thanks for joining us, Alan, and hopefully you, get me you off are already. right. Wow, what's that? <laughs> You're throwing me off already. That was quick. We're on, we're on for an hour. Extra long guest. No, we're on for an hour. We don't have that much to talk about, right? It's just four we're, it's just we're two games. We're on for an hour. You called late, remember? All right, that's right. We're on forty. My five minutes. Yeah, I, I got my I got my talking in. No, I think you gave us some good points on uh, those two games. I'm glad I was able to call. I'm glad I was able to uh, predict what you're what you'd be betting on. So, well, thanks for joining us. Um, hopefully, you will be right on those two because I will be on the same side of you on both of those. I believe. All right. Well, good luck. I uh, I like Texas Tech a lot more, but uh, my gut my gut uh, my gut thinks that. Uh, yeah, like I said, my guts thinks Virginia will be very, very easy. Yeah. So, well, numbers wise, I like Texas Tech more, but but internally, I, I think I probably like Virginia more. So, but I I've been become a numbers driven guy, so I've gone from a complete field guy to a complete numbers driven guy, and uh, that's uh, you know when I've tried to go back to being more of a field guy, I've I've kind of lost my way a little bit. Uh, so it's uh, well, so basically you're saying that in the in the in the Texas Tech game, there's about probably will be about four points of value in your mind, and then in the Virginia That's game, there's only about a point and a half. Those, especially at those numbers. Yeah, for sure. Like if I get the game one right, I think they're going to win between what, like you know, lose by one and win by three. You know, most of the pie. So, yeah, you know, getting three is like a, a home run because even you know, even if something random happens where they randomly, you know, it is a pick 'em game. You have three. That's that's that three is like huge. Yeah, that's that's huge. <laughs> yeah, three's a lot when you think it should be picked. That's a big, big bet. So, at least right, my, well, let's hope it, let's hope it gets to three. I think I think it'll get. Yeah, it. I'm sure. I'm sure it will. I, I I I'm almost sure it will. Unless I do a million podcasts and tell everybody I love Texas Tech, but I don't <laughs> even think that'll matter. Who gives a fuck what I think? <laughs> I think I think you still influence the market a little bit. I don't think so. Maybe a little bit. Maybe a little bit because we bet. You know, if we bet something, but we try. Yeah, you to hide bet it. something. You yeah, put it still, out on Twitter. Or other it. It's just hard. It's just hard. It's such a hard. It's a hard game. It's a really evil game. I'm betting on an evil game, and 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 the and and and, and the whole market has become really evil. So. Anyway, thanks for having me. Tell Rufus hello, and uh, call anytime you want. I'm uh, I'm always uh ready to go on some 40 minute diatribe and talk about the wrong coach and do the math wrong. So. All right, Alan, thanks for joining us. I'm just us. a lowly Penn student. Remember I, I'm a fucking genius. I think you're, you're not a lowly Penn student, but we'll, we'll, uh, we'll go from there. Yeah, I think I'm pretty smart actually. Anyway, uh, All right. anyway, I'll, uh, 
Good luck, and I'll uh, talk to you soon. All right, thanks, Alan. Bye-bye. Be good. Cheers. The breakdown of data analytically driven. Media coverage of sports gambling is pathetic. The bottom line is watered down. It seems like they don't get it. Puppeteers are put to end just running off a of leaded. None of it's organic. It all sounds synthetic. That's why I fucked with Jeff Ma and his dog.